Welcome to another inspiring message from Gillian Cameron. John and Gillian Cameron are the leaders of Arise Church in New Zealand. Gillian also hosts our annual women's conference, Passionate. We know this message will encourage, inspire and empower you. I have a word burning in my heart and I've been praying that it it would come out in the right way. But this morning, the scripture which it all stems from is Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1. And if you can turn there with me this morning and you can leave a finger there, we're going to stay in Hebrews this morning. But in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1, It says this, we must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away, so that we do not drift away. You know, I was um, was driving in my car the other week and my mind was thinking and I was meditating and pondering on some things because something had happened that morning when I'd woken up that John had told me, and I'll tell you in just a moment what he'd said to me that had started this whole train of thought. But the train of thought was this, I was thinking about, you know, how can it be that that Jesus said to the teachers and the religious leaders of the law, to the Pharisees, he said to them, you honour me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. And I was thinking about that and I guess the sadness of that and perhaps having a bit of a fear of that. That, you know, in our lives, we could be Lord, Lord, and honouring God, but our heart had become far off from Him. And in my mind, I was thinking, how does that happen? How can we be honouring God with our lips, yet our heart is far from Him? How can the two be together? And of course, that Scripture came, as I've read at the beginning, that we must pay careful attention that we do not drift away. Following on from there, I was thinking about how Jesus continually said to the people, you're a sinful and adulterous generation. And I know this is a little bit heavy to start with here, but this word is not to bring condemnation, it's to bring freedom, amen, and to lead us into greater revelation this morning. But as I was thinking about this, this combination, this adulterous generation, I thought, what does that mean, God? Why were you calling them an adulterous generation? And obviously this morning, we know that adultery is unfaithfulness. We know that adultery comes from a covenant relationship, usually out of marriage relationship, that two people make vows that establish a covenant before God that joins them, that the two become one, and that they should remain faithful for the whole days of their lives together on earth, that faithfulness is twined together, entwined as one from that moment on. And adultery is to somehow have one's heart removed from that relationship, to start thinking of another, fantasizing of another, even acting out upon that and and being unfaithful to the one whom the vow was made. And you see, Jesus is saying, you're an adulterous generation to the people that were there, to the Pharisees particularly, because they had been unfaithful to him, that they'd made a vow, they'd made a union with God, they'd said, "We're, we're your people, God, but somehow in their hearts, their, their vow, their commitment to Lord had slipped away and instead they had become unfaithful to Him and they had started to wander away from Him. You know, no one starts out saying Jesus is Lord and intends for that to slip away. No one starts out in a marriage relationship on their wedding day fresh and beautiful intending to fall away from that marriage. You wouldn't go down the aisle if you thought this was not the right one. You start on a course, you set your face on a direction, you have a focus, and who knows that the the groom's face when he sees the bride come down the aisle, it is focused. He sees nothing else. 
There is a moment of transfiction. There is a moment of focus where we think our lives could never waver from this point, surely. This is where my heart lies. This is where I am committed. This is where I'm faithful. But we see here that God is saying to us, to the church this morning, to all of us here, we must pay careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. See, the reality is that there is a drift. There is a drift. And this morning, I'm going to talk about the drift. And I'm going to talk about drifting away, but I'm going to give us some keys that I believe will help us to stop the drift. And I believe could profoundly this morning turn your life around. If you're struggling with temptation this morning, if you're struggling with addiction, if you're struggling with a lack of, of feeling overwhelmed and like you've lost your sense of bearing in life, perhaps the storm of life is prevailing upon you. I believe that this morning, God has some keys that will set our hearts free and will set us firmly anchored into who He is this morning. See, what had happened that morning that ha- when I had woken up that had started this train of thought is that the morning that I had woken, John had said to me, did you know you sleep-talked in the night, baby? I said, no, because of course when I sleep, I like to say I sleep the sleep of the dead. And, you know, when we had little babies as children and John was traveling, I would say to him, darling, You know, when you're away, the kids are so good. They don't wake up. They sleep through the night. I've now come to realize they could have had a party. They could have raided the fridge. I would know nothing about it. But praise the Lord, they're still alive. And they didn't find the matches. Amen? I sleep very well, but apparently sometimes, it's for John's entertainment, I'm sure the Lord provided this as a little, you know, little laugh for him because, you know, sometimes he's serious and needs to have some laughs and I provide those, you know. It's just part of my role as his wife. And there I am at night and apparently, okay, people, don't take this the wrong way, but apparently he'd come just for a snuggle, people, just for a little snuggle in the night and he'd cuddled up to me and apparently I had said to him, are we married? (laughs) Yeah, we're definitely married people. Okay. Apparently I'd said to him because he was snuggling me, are we married? And he said, yes, dear. We've been happily married for 15 years. And I said, so we're happy? And he said, he said, yes, dear, we're happy. And apparently then I went, and then back to sleep. Yes. I tell you, it's quite eventful what I've managed to say sometimes. And so I was thinking, why on earth, why on earth in my sleep would I have said, are we married? I mean, I love this man. I'm committed to him. I must admit that like, you know, many a good woman in this room, when I wake up, I'm not always the clearest. You know, it takes me a little while. And, you know, perhaps that was part of it. I was in a bit of a fog. But I actually thought that perhaps in my heart, there was a desire for purity, that there was a desire that this was right, that I was actually in a right relationship and that this was okay, that suddenly I wasn't like, you know, with somebody I shouldn't be with or I was in the wrong place or, you know, because, you know, when you're in sleep, hear me out, people. I wanted to be sure that this relationship was right. And so I started to think about how we can drift away. And I want to say this morning, church, you know, that John and I, we take great pains that we will not drift away. You know, as the church continues, there is too much at stake for us to throw away our integrity or to throw away our character. 
And you know, we've been following Jesus. I've been following Jesus with all my heart for over 20 years now. And I'm committed to this thought that we must not drift away. We must live full of integrity. We must live according to God's Word. We must hold fast to the truths of His Word. We must tie them in our hearts. Jesus said, I will write my law in your heart. And you know, that's what we're committed to. We would not drift. And I felt like, as I said that, that I recognized a desire within me that I would not drift, that I would not drift. And of course, you know, it's so easy sometimes to drift. But Jesus knew this. God knew that this was the human heart's default, was not to stay the course. And I heard John preached a great message last Sunday on finishing. And I feel like this is so in line with that, so in keeping with that, that finishing also means that we must stay true to where we started, that we have this covenant, that we make this decision, I will be married to the Lord, I will be committed to Him. And finishing means we stay the course of our commitment that we make to Him, that we don't end up just honouring Him with our lips, but our hearts have somehow become far away. And so the first of the 10 commandments in Exodus 20, God outlines this. He says, the number one commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. He has always looked for the purity of our heart's intent, the purity of our focus on Him alone. And when Jesus came, He reinforced this in Matthew 22, 37. I think they're going to pop it up on the screen this morning. And He said, He was asked, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? He replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. You know, it also says in other translations, it says with all your strength, heart, soul, mind, strength, all of it. He wants all of it. And I believe that Jesus knew and saw that actually one of the greatest commitments and the greatest challenges for us as people was to stay the course, to not drift, to always love the Lord the God, our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, and with all our mind. You know, I started to think about the drift. You see, if Jesus is our true north, if He is our place of arrival, how do we remain in Him? How do we stay anchored and secure in our commitment to Him and not simply drift away and go through the motions of Christianity? You know, Jesus is coming back for worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. He will not be looking at our lips. He will not be looking at what we say. He will be looking at our hearts and the expression of our hearts through what we do. I don't have time to do a message on deeds this morning, but I do know that our hearts must have an overflow into our actions. Amen. You know, God has always been more concerned with our heart than with anything else. Our heart is soil. God is the gardener. He is coming into our hearts and wants to work in them. I want you to go back to Hebrews chapter two. We're gonna dwell in this passage of scripture for a little bit more. And I wanna pull some things out of that for us this morning. Hebrews chapter two, pay careful attention to what we have heard so we do not drift away. Because remember, faith comes from hearing. And really the first way that we drift is in our faith. It's when our faith is assaulted and faith turns into unbelief. I'm gonna give us the keys of what we can do in our heart, soul, strength, and mind that will give us the keys to stay true, to stay the course, to stay focused on Him and to not drift this morning. And I believe in those keys for some people, this will be a, a moment where you have a revelation of that's what I need to do to stay this course. That's what I need to do to stop that sin. That's what I need to do to live how God would want me to live. 
But this morning, let's turn to Hebrews chapter, th- chapter 3, verse 7. How do we drift? How do we drift? Let's have a look at the drift. As the Holy Spirit says, today, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the te- time of testing in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me and for 40 years saw what I did. This is why I was angry with that generation and I said, their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You see, sin is subtle. It doesn't come in one big, hello, come and sleep with me. It comes in a subtle thought. It comes bit by bit. It creeps in. It's in that moment where you use your money for the wrong thing. It's in that moment where you start to spend finance on what you shouldn't spend. It's in those small things that go unchecked. Sin's deceitfulness is a subtle progression that leads us in a drift away from where God wants. However, we have come to share in Christ. Ha! We share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end the confidence we had at first. The confidence we had at first. You know, uh, John and I were on holiday at the beginning of the year and we went up north, up to Tutakaka, and there's a beach up there that we love. And I can't remember the name of it, but it's a beautiful beach, Matapuri. And we're on the beach and John and Will are digging sand and they're digging in the sand and making, they're trying to stop the tide. Good luck with that, but they're having so much fun doing it and having a great time. And Lara and I went out for a swim and we were having a great time swimming together. And we were out there for about 15 minutes. And, and, and then we went to go back to John and Will and see what they'd been doing. And as we looked up to see where they were, we realized that in 10 or 15 minutes, we couldn't see them. That we'd actually drifted about six to 800 meters down the, down the beach that we just totally drifted. We were completely having a wonderful time and having a great time and we were enjoying what we were doing and it was fun and there was nothing wrong with it, but we had lost our focus on where we were meant to be and we had drifted. And you know, sometimes the drift is quite simply that we've taken our eyes off the point we were meant to stay focused on and somehow our focus has turned and we have drifted we have drifted. You see, this drift that happens, it's not always deliberate. It's not always intentional. It's not that we start out into sin and think, I'm just going to rebel against God. It's not like that we turn our face away. But somehow, as we turn our focus, our eyes off Jesus, and we know that the Bible says, fix our eyes on Jesus. Fix our eyes on Jesus. Why? Because He's true north. He's true north. He's the compass of our soul. He's the place that secures us forever into eternity and into the right focus that God would have for our lives. And as I I saw that we had drifted, I thought, how do we stay anchored? How do we stay anchored in Christ? You know, sometimes in life, it is just a silly reason that we end up away drifting. It's not just about focus, but we can end up adrift. You know, This morning, I want all of us to know that we are a vessel bound on a course, that God has a purpose for us, that we are not in this place driftwood, 
but we are part of the vine. We are branches. We are secured in Him. We are branches that cannot be easily broken off. And as we are anchored and remain in Him, we will fulfill His purpose and His intent and His will for us on earth. And we're not driftwood this morning. And sometimes in life, it's a silly reason that we end up adrift. You know, there's this horror movie or a scary movie or a true story. I'm not sure. It's kind of a mash of all of them. I tend to not watch scary movies. I'm not so good at them. I had a bunch of girlfriends around last year to watch a movie and I gave them three options and I was really trying to angle for two out of the three, not the third. And of course they picked the third. And I was like, oh, this movie's going to be really sad. I'll just go and get my box of tissues, girls. And it's going to be so sad, you know, trying to say, let's not watch this sad movie. But anyway, everybody, girlfriends, you know, sometimes we just like to cry. And so I was like to them, you're all going to cry. And so we start watching this movie and we're watching it. Partway through the movie, I'm sitting there. (laughs) I've got sobs. My body is heaving. They all laugh at me. They all laugh at me because I'm the only one crying. Can you believe it? Anyway, there I am sobbing my heart out. So I don't watch things that will, you know, make me sob. I don't really like crying for things that are pointless. And (laughs) so I've avoided this movie. But there's a movie called Adrift. And in this movie, it's, it's quite profound what happens. There is a company of people who go out on a yacht. And I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar, who's seen, heard the movie or seen the story? Nobody, that's good. Well, I'm about to tell you. And so there is this group of people who go out sailing and they're on this great yacht. It's beautiful. They're having the time of their lives out in the middle of the ocean. And it's a hot day, it's beautiful, it's gorgeous out on the ocean. So they all decide, let's go for a swim. And so they all just jump overboard. Let's all go for a swim. And they jump off the yacht and they're swimming and they're having an awesome time in the water. And then suddenly one of them says, I'm, I'm ready to get out now. And so he tries to get out. He can't find a place to get out, can't find how to climb out of the water. And you see, they had all jumped off the boat without one person putting down the ladder. So these, all of these people, they ended up adrift in the ocean. They could not find a way to get back on board the vessel. They could not find a way to get on, and they all perished. They all died on the ocean. What a sad story, because such a small thing that went unchecked. But in our lives, we can be adrift. We can be left out of God's life, because we have failed to check one small detail. That's why God says, examine your heart. Test yourself and see if you are in the faith. Test your heart, examine your heart. We cannot let sin or anything remain unchecked or we will find ourselves adrift. And who knows, but that being adrift from the Lord ends up ultimately in death, in death, because it is only through Jesus that we have redemption. It is only through Him that we get resurrection into eternal life. So we must not remain separated or adrift. Sometimes we must just check the small thing. Check that small thing. You enjoying that this morning? This morning, tell the person next to you, let's not drift away. Let's not drift away. You know, God this morning wants us to have purity of focus. And we, we just drift in life because we lose focus. I find that in my life, and I'm sure there are people who are like me, I hope, not the only strange one, we have a two-story house, 
and I run up the stairs to go and get something. And then sometimes I'll run down the stairs to get something. And that's because when I grew up, I read Nancy Drew, who said, you should always run if you can run and walk if you can walk and stand if you can stand and don't only sit until you have to only sit. You know, I like that. That's a philosophy I've applied to my life. If I can run, I will run. So I run up the stairs, I run down the stairs. And you know what happens to me? What did I go to get? What was I looking for? What did I come here for? And I'm annoyed because I've just run up the stairs. I just did all that effort. And then I'm like, oh. And I know that I'm gonna have to run back down the stairs, try to put myself where I was. When I thought of what it was that I wanted, I'm gonna have to try to like, what, what did I want? And I have to retrace my steps. And even then people, church, even then I'm sure like me, I just like, I can't for the life of me remember what it was I was going to do. And that is so annoying. I pick up my phone and I go to text somebody. And even as I've written their name, like seconds later, I can't remember what I was gonna text them about. I'm like, is it just me? Is that just me? Is that, am I the only one who just... We so easily lose focus. We so easily forget what we were going to do. We so easily forget what we're here on earth to do. We forget what we're called to do. We forget what we're purposed to do. We forget what Christ's heart is. We forget what Christ's intention was. We forget what our focus needs to be. And that church is how we drift. Do not drift away this morning. Do not drift from Christ's purpose. Do not drift from Christ's heart. Do not drift from Christ's love. Do not drift from Christ's intention this morning. In Him, life is found. In Him, who we are is discovered. So then I wanna come to how can we not drift? I've pointed out how it's easy to happen, isn't it? It's not that we are a terrible person, but it is that sin so easily entangles. So easily entangles. So how do we make sure that we do not drift? Well, let's come back to Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That's it. It's how we don't drift. We gotta hold firmly to Him, arrest the drift. So I wanna give us a key for each of these areas, just one small key. And you might find that it's for you, it's your heart that you feel like that's drifting. For you this morning, you might feel it's like my soul, my strength, my energy, that's drifting. For others, it might be your mind. The thoughts that you think, the temptations that dwell there, the addictions that have cemented there, it may be that area that God will give you a key this morning and you need to apply it and work on it as I do myself to see that we stay hold, that we take hold of God, that we do not let go, but we stay firm to the end. I know this is a serious word this morning, but I believe it is what God would have us here, that we would not drift, that we would not drift away. So our heart, our heart, Hebrews 3 said this in verse 12, see to it brothers that none of you and sisters this morning, that none of you has a sinful unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. So what's the drift in the heart? The drift on the heart is from faith to unbelief. It is a drift from faith. That's where the heart begins its drift. How do we arrest the drift of the heart? Quite simply this, David says this, praise the Lord and forget not all his benefits. Forget not 
our heart must be reminded of what the Lord has done. We must dwell on the memory of all that God has done in our lives. We must remember where He has taken us out of and brought us into. I will never forget what God took my life from. I will never forget being rescued out of grief, being rescued out of fear. I will never forget being rescued out of loneliness. I will never forget being rescued out of low self-esteem. I will never forget... I will never forget being rescued and understanding His great love in my life. And in our heart to hold on to faith, we must remember, we must hold fast the testimony and the story of what He has done. You know, memory builds faith. And that is why Jesus says to His disciples again and again, do this when you take communion to remember me, the mind. Let's arrest the drift in our mind. You know, God's Word says that by the washing of the Word, we renew our mind. We also know that God's Word teaches us that there are patterns of thinking. There are strongholds that are established in the mind. How does a stronghold get established? What's a stronghold? A stronghold is something that you just cannot shake from your mind. It's like it's stuck there. You feel like that your mind is stuck on this one track. That's because it's a stronghold of thinking that has been developed over a process of continually thinking that thought. The more you think that thing, the more you will lay down that track in your brain because the brain is connected with neural pathways that then are constructed in your brain. And I'm no scientist this morning, but I do know that the way the brain works is through patterns. It's through the creation of linkages that things and synapses and things, they link up. There are neural pathways that connect together through our thoughts. And so when God says, you know, renew your mind, He says, you know, you've got to change the pattern of your thinking. You've got to let go of the pattern of this world and think according to the pattern of heaven. And how do we do that? Jesus taught us very simply, take captive every thought. Take captive every thought, make it obedient to Christ. Take captive every thought. You see, what does that mean? Um, you know, this is a struggle for me, Gillian. What does this mean? Well, let me put it like this. Whatever you feed comes back. Whatever you feed comes back and whatever you starve will die. And in the brain, it's the same. You keep feeding the same image or you keep feeding the same habit or you keep feeding the same thought. It might be low self-worth. It may be that God can't use me. It may be an addiction. It may be the way you use finance that you always think I'm always going to have nothing. It may be whatever it is that has hold you captive this morning. You have to learn to feed the good, starve the bad. There is really only one successful way to deal with any addiction. Stop it. Stop it. Because whatever you feed comes back. So when you think a good thought, feed it. When you think something great, keep thinking that. Whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is noble, dwell upon those things. Be innocent of evil. Focus on the good. Focus on what is pure, what is lovely, what is right. If you focus on the evil, it will keep being fed. It will keep growing. Don't let it grow. Starve it. Starve it. Stop it. Amen. In Jesus' name. All right, that's the mind. And our soul and strength, the drift. 
Well, I really believe this is a word to our church at the moment and to our staff, and we're busy working on this one right now because there's been a drift a little teeny tiny bit in our soul and strength as a church, and we're saying we're coming back to focus. We're coming back to our mandate. We're coming back to what God has called us as a rise church to do that will make a difference in our nation. You know, we're going to see universities won for Christ. We're going to see universities that, that weren't proclaiming Jesus, where Jesus is lifted high. We're seeing the testimony of, of life change through so many people's lives. We're seeing youth that are on fire in high schools. We're seeing Christian groups in high schools. We're called to make a difference in a rising generation. And as a church, we're pruning some things. We're cutting some things. You know what, church? We can't do everything. We might be big, we might be large, we might have influence, but it doesn't mean we should do everything. We too, as a church, must go, what has God called us to do that makes a difference in this time, in this place, in our community? And so we're busy on this word, but I believe that also for your lives, perhaps, for those of you who find that that life is, is stressful, is overwhelming, that perhaps there is so much to do and you're overwhelmed by the need overwhelmed by the need within in the drift of your soul and your strength don't do so many things that you just then clap out that you then break down or burn out because there is a drift in our energy there is a drift we only have so much energy we only have so much of ourselves to give that's just the reality whilst we're constrained by time in this temporal condition in this body which is decaying day by day sadly we are constrained, but yet we think we're superwoman or superman. We must prune. To not drift in our soul and strength, we must prune. We must prune what we do not need to do and focus on what God wants us to do. What can you do better than anybody else in this room? Do that. Amen. In Jesus' name, do that. Prune your life. Find out what the Lord's will is for your life. Understand it. It should not be hard to find. And if you don't know, talk to a pastor or a leader because by God's grace, I'm sure that they would see what gifting and talent lies in your very hands that should be put to use for the kingdom. Amen. Above all, arrest the drift. You know, Paul said this, and I, I preached a message many, many years ago at the beginning of Arise called, This One Thing I Do. This One Thing I Do. This morning, for some of us, that's the word where we must arrest the drift because if we keep doing everything, we will get tired. We will resent God. I'm so busy for you, Lord. My lips are honouring you, but my heart has become far away. Don't you see how busy I am serving you, Jesus? Don't end up resenting the church, His bride. Don't end up resenting, but do what you're called to do and you will flourish. Amen. Amen. Arrest the drift. Arrest the drift. But above all, above all, how do we arrest the drift? The beauty of it is that it's not in our own strength. It's as we find anchor in Him. It is as we find that Jesus is the name that is above every name, that we find our strength and our hope and our life in Him. And though storms of life come, Though difficulties come, though struggles come, though temptation comes, though grief comes, we find the way to not drift is that we have this hope as an anchor for our soul and it goes beyond the veil into the inner curtain where Jesus who has gone ahead of us has gone on our behalf. We have this hope. This hope is not anchored in what is temporal. It is anchored in what is eternal. And we know that this hope will hold us fast. We know that this hope will hold us secure. 
We know that when our storm comes, when our trial comes, when our difficulty comes, when that temptation comes, that we will hold firm, secure as we've fixed our eyes on Jesus, the anchor of our soul, the one that we worship with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind and with all our strength. You know, this morning I, I want to commend a company of, of young people in this room who in two of our brightest and most beautiful, most loved, dear people, Alexis and Krishan, when they went into eternity, I want to commend the amazing people in this room who said, I'm grieving, I feel the pain of loss, but I know the joy of hope. I know that there is an eternity and I know that when I pass through those gates, I will see them again. I know that they're gonna be the first ones there waiting for us when we arrive because their hope was not anchored in what they see, but was anchored in what they do not see. And I'm so filled and inspired with hope and joy in my heart that if Arise Church has these kind of young people, then imagine what we could do in a nation if even grief cannot take away our faith, but instead we stay unwavering to the very end, firm and secure in Him. Imagine what Christ will do in the earth with a company of people like that. You know, that's, that's a testimony that's beautiful. There's a fragrance in that testimony. But so many here in this room, as I think of you, as I look across you, I think of, I think of people who, you know, they lost a child, but they stayed anchored. They stayed secure in faith. They stayed committed. I think of so many who go through so much. The names are endless of what we go through in life because in this life we will have difficulty, but we must find our true north. We must fix our eyes on Him, amen? Amen. Hebrews 6, I want you to turn there and read this with me. Hebrews 6 verse 18, just partway through the verse. We who have fled, fled from sin, fled from entanglement, fled from the drift, fled from unbelief. We who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, entered on our behalf. We're citizens of heaven, anchored in the next world, anchored in heaven, anchored in eternity. And this anchor gives us strength to stay the course. This anchor inspires endurance, gives us courage when we have none. This anchor enables us to stay on course in spite of the difficulties that many of us in this room may face. The doctor's report, the choices, the consequences of those choices, the things that other people do that we didn't deserve, they were just unfair. They were just unjust. The false slanders that come, the accusations, the, there are numerous ways in which we are assaulted and assailed. And God, He knew our frailty. He knew the pressure of life. So He has told us all along, build your life upon the rock. Stay fixed in me, be secure in me. I am your firm foundation. 
We would love you to join us at our Passionate Women's Conference. For more information, go to passionate.org.nz. To find out more about Arise Church or Gillian Cameron, go to arisechurch.org.nz or follow them on Twitter at Gillie Cameron and at Arise Church.